Can I help you? What do you want? Welcome back to another episode of Schooled. I'm Liv. And I'm Mel. And before we jump into the honor roll this week, we want to say thank you again to all of our guests who joined us for our Black and Education series. I don't, think we're, I don't think we're done. I think we're just pressing pause. Um, we'll probably come back because I have some other things I want to like delve into, like private school, yeah. parenting and teaching while Black. Yes. Um, there's a lot of other things we need to do a love in the club part two yeah and i also want to like mix up some of the guests together who are on i know (laughs) just like based on their interests and what they shared and also like have we've had other people reach out about wanting to be a guest but we reached number seven and seven is the number of completion so no pause right now look at that one come back one day but we have other pressing concerns yes. right now. But before we get into our pressing concerns, we are going to celebrate. So this week on the honor roll, we have an amazing event that happened um, a week ago. The about a week ago. About a week ago. Um, the convening. Mel was kind of part of that. Not kind of. Mel was definitely part of that. She <laughs> yeah. led a panel. <laughs> She moderated a panel and all of that, but it was a really great experience. And who was it sponsored by? I know it's sponsored by Howard University, what? School of Education. School of Education. So um, it was an idea that one of my professors had, and she kind of approached some of the graduate students who are Black women in the department and then got sponsorships from the American Superintendents Association, also known as AASA. Um, Delta Sigma Theta came on as a sponsor like the week of. They did all our tech support. It was like a full-on production. Like they, like I learned so many things about how to look good on, on Zoom on a webinar, like so many things. And also the National Association of Black School Educators. So it was really great. Um, I had multiple jobs. <laughs> and things I was responsible for like Eventbrite so if anybody sent any like emails to Eventbrite requesting tickets I was the person that responded to you and probably denied you <laughs> I mean because I didn't have any other I couldn't do anything else it wasn't anything personal I just couldn't do anything else I also like helped curate two of the panels and yeah like came up with questions for panels I designed the flyer in the social media campaign so like yeah just a little bit and then like I got to moderate a panel last you know like a few days before the panel because the moderator had um something that came up unexpectedly so that was kind of a blessing in disguise because I definitely wasn't expecting that I was just like oh I get to watch this panel with these people and I helped come up with some of these questions and oh and then and it was like actually having to talk to them was a whew, whole different thing and I really I liked nervous. your panel like I like the people that were on your panel was I was good. so nervous thank you they're they are such great people I had met some of them before at um UCEA which is a conference for like people who do research on education leadership I don't know they're just so nice they're so great and they were like they <laughs> were so they seem nice but they were also like just real 
just real right or not all up in their titles and whatnot and I was just like I love this because even before the panel like I said that morning like Dr. McClellan Dr. P was just like call me Dr. P like don't call me Dr. McClellan so it was I don't know it was great it was a blessing I appreciated it I felt like I was like pouring into other people then Ayala Von Zant was like in my living room yeah fixing my life she was preaching her laugh my life yes her laugh is a jewel it is (laughs) so we're already starting planning for the convening 2021 hopefully it will be face to face and also like can we just revel in the fact that like we brought together seven black women superintendents in a way that they've never been brought together ever before like and they were bomb. Yes, Dr. Contreras, like, she's so dope. But it was so many, and it's, like, crazy because I don't think people think about Black women superintendents. And so when Dr. Contreras talked about that, like, how they don't get, the same way that Black teachers feel overlooked, Black women superintendents feel the same way. Because when she said that, I really thought about it. I was like, I never thought about that before. For our area, she is, like, one of the top, maybe five employers in this area. Yeah, like they're not, like when she was talking about being black female CEOs and top employers in cities, major US cities sometimes, like she was not lying, but at the same time, they don't get the credit like someone who is a CEO of Walmart or Target or somewhere else. But it's like, when you look at, like she said, like multi-million sometimes billion dollar budgets and we don't appreciate their work so I just thought that was because um Dr. Shoot I forgot her last name but the superintendent from Chicago she said her budget was billion I loved her like I loved her so much yeah she was great I think um Dr. Contreras of course was one of my favorites along with the superintendent from Chicago and then the superintendent Dr. from Jackson. Janice Jackson. Jackson. I was going to yes. say Janice. So I was like, that's disrespectful. Yes. <laughs> and then they were moderated by the legendary, the le- Judy Austin. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Judy Austin be kicking it with Gloria Lassen Billing. Like, so it's just like, oh, and she was just sitting so there good. listening to, she was like, I like that. <laughs> and every time she opened her mouth, it's a word like every time even the few times that she like was moderate it was just like this is so good but they were really good but I I appreciated seeing like Dr. Jackson up there because a lot of times people think because you're younger you can't do it and so I like that she set a goal to do that by 40 years old and did it so I do not have me ready to move to Chicago like I I know (laughs) I know speaking of Chicago this is totally unrelated but do you watch Shameless? I have watched Shameless. I'm several seasons behind though. But it's, yes. it's just like I watched The Shy as well, and I said both of these are set in Southside Chicago. Chicago. But it's two different Chicago, completely different. Random. Shameless, yeah, because the Chicago of Shameless, and I think maybe that's why I quit watching Shameless. Maybe because the Chicago really- of Shameless, it has black people in it. It's just not as black as the reality of Southside Chicago is. Right. And the shy, um, I'm just gonna fuss about season three. It's been a little bit of, but anyway. So speaking of things being wah, wah, y'all, wait. I feel like you have something to celebrate too. 
Oh, I got a job, y'all. I got a job. job. Y'all, this reopening stuff. It makes me want to smoke an invisible cigarette. Like, you know that actually calms you down. What the fake cigarette is that like? Just really, just because you're breathing. Oh, okay, okay. I'm like, is that scientifically proven? Or <laughs> you're just taking deep breaths. That's it. You just feel cooler when you make it look like you're like holding a cigarette. Right. That's probably why smoking blew up. And then uh, it is why smoking blew up. And like, because it looked cool. Right. <laughs> y'all, president wants y'all to be in school so bad. He does so bad. So, so much so that he has orchestrated several <laughs> media not just media stunts let's call them what they are propaganda and it has propagandized going back to school and here's the thing like and i wouldn't even say just him but no it's not just him it's him his followers parents who are you know reasonably sick of their kids however You know, I think one of the things that causes me a little bit of anxiety about this whole reopening going back to school thing is like, I don't know. I tend to be on the side of optimism a lot of times, even when stuff is like going bad. And it's not even like that toxic positivity stuff. It's really just, I don't choose to spend my energy, you know, down in the dumps, right? Mm -hmm. And so... A lot of teachers, and not even just teachers, but parents and this whole virtual learning stuff, it really bothers me. And it bothers me because one of the reasons it bothers me from parents is the school district I'm in, they are doing a virtual academy, like a lot of schools are doing, where you're virtual the whole year, and then the other schools are remote. And so some parents in the comments, the one day I read the comments was like, don't go to the school system's virtual academy because they don't know what they're doing stupid do you understand that teachers had two days a week most at most to get this whole virtual learning done or remote learning done in the spring and so you're basing that off of you know a lack of preparation yeah and I feel like people are discounting that and what's crazy is I've even heard teachers say that yeah like things like that so it's like I think we can, most of us can acknowledge that what majority of schools and districts did as an as a emergency response to an emergency shutdown was not the best or, or most consistent version of virtual learning. However, as someone who has taken and facilitated a many of virtual classes, in her academic career, there is a way to do it. And so I think, like you said, like people who are discounting school systems ability to to do it um, is reflective of something that school systems were responding in an emergency situation. And unfortunately school systems are not getting the grace to, you know, do the best job they can or, you know, disprove that because so many people would rather discount it. But also these same people do not want to teach their children at home. So I think that it is unfortunate for students because there are so many like 
people who just don't think it's going to work out positively. And I don't know. I just feel like you can't go into something with a, a whole negative mindset and and have it work. You know what I'm saying? So if you think it's not right. going to work, it's not going to work. And so I don't want to discount the um, very real fears and feelings that teachers have. Like this is a yeah. terrible situation. Like everybody has anxiety about this um virus and all of the things that come yeah. with like doing things differently however i think it's also like an intentional thing you have to do with your energy and you have to decide what am i putting my energy into and also you have to decide like and determine maybe not decide and determine um discern this word discernment kicks in you have to be able to discern what can i control Yes. So what you can control is the energy that you bring to your virtual classrooms and the energy that you bring to your virtual lessons. So I'm a I am a big proponent of like if you speak it, you'll see it. But I, I just think that some people have to shift that energy because I mean school's gonna start. Most places it's going to be virtual. Um, some places it's not, but we're gonna talk about that in a minute. Um <laughs> most places is going to be virtual so therefore okay this is what the situation is it may not be the perfect situation it may not be what you want it to be but what are you going to do with that to make sure that you still are providing students and families with the best education that you possibly can um in that situation so rather than like oh, i don't want to do this it's going to be hard Yes, it's going to be, it's a learning curve, right? It's going to be different. It's going to be difficult. However, I personally believe that this is the future of education. And I've been telling people for a while that virtual learning, like, I mean, is here. And, but now it's here for real. Yeah. Now it's here for real. So it's like, this, I mean, this is going to be something that we have to shift into and learn together on. And, you know, maybe not, don't like, I don't think people should aim per, for perfectionism because I also feel like a lot of, and I think we've talked about this before, how like in a virtual learning setting, like a lot of the performative elements of teaching are stripped down. So yeah. you really got to know your content. It makes so, me think of something that Courtney said in um, the episode we had her on. She was like, she was tired of teachers complaining about virtual learning. And it's like, yeah, I feel the exact same way. If you're getting training for how to do your job better, mm-hmm. yes, none of it feels good. It doesn't feel good to anybody. However, what is the complaining going to do? Like, focus on that. Focus on what you can control. But I think to pivot this, I don't think that the internet cesspools are helping that shift. You know. No. Because I do think that the internet feeds a lot of this. Um, and, and listen, I love the internet, okay? Yes. But I do think that the internet also feeds a lot of these fears. And also a lot of the conversations that take place are grounded in this apprehension around virtual learning. Whether yeah. that's the teachers, parents, district leader, whoever, you know. So because a lot of the conversations are like... 
I have, honestly, I can't, I can't recall very many um, positive perspectives that I've seen or conversations that I've seen Mm-mm. in regards to virtual learning. And a lot of times, like, I just look at conversations like a fly on the wall. I do think that... You know why you can do that? Why? Because you have, you know, and you exercise media literacy, but we'll get to that. You know, don't. <laughs> but I do think that the internet, it, it fuels a lot of these fears around virtual learning. Right. And it's so interesting because it's like the same people who have apprehensions and fears and are not feeling virtual learning are the same people who don't, who definitely don't want to go back in the classroom for exactly. risk of, you know, virus. So it's like, well, but like, friend, what do you want to do, friend? <laughs> I think these internet circles, like you said, these um, different networks. So Instagram, teacher Instagram is problematic in its own way sometimes. Mm-hmm. But so is teacher Twitter. And so teacher Twitter can definitely be problematic in this holier than thou type of um, mm-hmm. portrayal that they do. And like, I've seen a numerous amount of, of tweets shaming teachers for wanting to do Bitmoji classrooms. It's like, all right, y'all are doing Bitmoji classrooms, but have you actually, you know, changed your pedagogy and blah, blah, blah. Valid conversations to be had, but let people have their enjoyment. And if this is something that makes their virtual learning experience more engaging for their kids, let them do it. I mean, here's the thing about the Bitmoji classroom. I don't know if y'all have, our listeners have made one, but it's relaxing. It's real relaxing. Make you That's what some people have said too, Emra, but. Make you a Bitmoji office. Um, I'm thinking like, why did I never make a Bitmoji classroom before? Um, it saves you money. You ain't got to buy nothing. Although some people have monetized Bitmoji classrooms and are charging people for it, but that's a whole other get your money I mean somebody offered to pay me to make one so yeah but yeah like bitmoji classrooms are relaxing but also I I do think yes I I understand people saying is your pedagogy shifting um I'm tired of pedagogy police can we call them pedagogy police yeah I think we can coin it pedagogy police because it takes practice in order for a pedagogy to sh- to do anything. Pedagogy is an active thing, right? So like you can have a philosophy that you follow in your pedagogy, but a lot of these conversations that have popped up this spring slash summer around pedagogy in terms of anti-racist teaching, social justice education, culturally relevant um culturally responsive sustaining pedagogy those are a lot of new things for some people so therefore like these are things that they may have shifted in philosophy but have not shifted in practice and pedagogy is a practice so while people are like are you shifting your pedagogy well they ain't had a chance to friend (laughs) like i'm just so tired of people policing people's I don't everything on the internet like it's yeah. just like it's like you're you're damned if you do damned if you don't so I do think that yes shifting pedagogy is important but like we we can't talk about if your pedagogy shifted and really assess that until we get a quarter in to the semester and we reflect <laughs> on our practice like midway so that's just not really a 
helpful conversation to have. Unless you taught summer school, maybe people shifted their pedagogy for summer school. But also, I think asking people, have you shifted your pedagogy is also a question that negates the fact that some of us been doing this. That's a word right there. And some of the pedagogy police are new to this. So therefore, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's just annoying. It's very annoying. It's just like, let people be. <laughs> I don't understand. So like. Tell my friends is being ashamed. Go make that Bitmoji classroom. Right. And I've mentioned before how I do prefer like Twitter over Instagram as far as the teacher realm. However, yeah. I have found it to be extremely draining. It's just like everybody is an expert. Everybody knows what they're doing in this pandemic that none of us have ever lived in before. Everybody knows like the right path to take. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's exhausting for sure. And it's funny that you mentioned that because educator Instagram is also like exhausting in the same ways because everybody's an expert. And then also there's this spirit kind of of educator Instagram also has a very um, entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. So everything is being monetized. Some things that shouldn't be monetized have been monetized. And like, I'm all about get your money. Definitely. Um, However, it's kind of, some of the things are just a little strange. So it's just like, like, I haven't seen anything super strange, but then again, I don't be logged on. Yeah, we'll we'll talk after this. Uh oh. <laughs> um, but uh-huh. it's just been a lot of I don't know. It's it's just been a lot of things that are like very toxic. So like I've decided this week to kind of protect myself from the toxicity of teacher Instagram and the lack of media literacy on teacher Instagram. Or the internet in general. <laughs> Or the internet in general, I've decided with teacher Instagram, for one, I'm not like, if you're listening and you're one of my teacher Instagram friends, please don't tag me in any more challenges um, because those eventually get draining and they eventually get messy because, and I don't know if Leah, you don't be logged on, so you don't, you probably didn't notice this, but there was this teacher Instagram, not teacher Instagram, sorry, there was this Instagram challenge where women were tagging other women to post a black and white picture. Yeah, them. I got one. And I told my friend, I said, you know, I'm not doing this. <laughs> right. So, you know, I was like, okay, I haven't posted a cute picture of myself in a while. And it seems like it was for a good cause. Cause you know, I did a little bit of background research and right. understood where it was coming from as far as like what women in Turkey are going through. And so I posted the picture. Okay. So I posted it just with the hashtag challenge accepted because that's the hash, the original hashtag. And then somewhere I think the hashtag got co-opted into women empowering women or something. I don't know. Right. But it just became this thing of like after, like maybe yesterday afternoon, it was just like people like, well, do you know where the black and white photo challenge came from? Like, and there were all these different reports and, and, people that were like oh well the original intent was this and the original intent was that kind of like the same thing that happened with blackout tuesday basically 
Um, and I think where I was over it was like, there was this post that was talking about, yeah, like I'm in Turkey, but nothing is happening to women in Turkey. It's like happening in Brazil or I don't know, some crazy. And then I heard it was for like AOC's thing. Right. And then people were saying, so like, I'm just, I've just decided I'm not doing it anymore. I left my picture up because I felt cute and the picture (laughs) is cute and y'all need to get It is cute. I need to get this smile on y'all timeline, okay? And this beat, okay? And you're <laughs> laid on your timeline. Um, but I'm I'm just not doing it anymore just because it becomes overcomplicated. And not to say that any of those causes are not important because I do think all of those things are equally important. However, I just don't like the way that people be coming at people. Was like, well, don't you know why you did this? Da-da-da-da. We need to do this, and we need to be more um, knowledgeable before we post. And it's just like, y'all. And you know, I was telling my boyfriend about it. He's a very introspective person, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, it's because people ain't been at work, and people are getting sick of their internet friends now. Like now, we have gotten to the point where we, where we are sick of our internet friends. And I know, <laughs> me, I like that. <laughs> I know for me. I usually do not play with teacher Instagram for like more than two months at a time. Okay. This is the longest I've ever been active. Like from March until July, usually I'm only on there from June and July. Then August school starts back. Y'all don't see me again till spring break. And then maybe like again, June and July. So time has just been very draining for me. I've also been getting a lot of um, unsolicited responses to like things I post in my stories in terms of like people sharing new stories that are not factual. And you know what bothers me about that though, is that like a lot of the times the stuff that, of course, the stuff that's passed around is false and like the internet gives everybody a platform. So because mm-hmm. the internet gives everybody a platform, you have to be much more critical of the stuff mm-hmm. that you consume on the internet. But the people- what bothers me more about the sharing of this stuff is that it's shared by people I actually used to respect. And, and that's I, I do it in real life. And it's just like, I thought you were smiling that. That's the difficult part because it's just like, uh, I really like you, respect you, like, think you do dope things but I also don't like you coming in my inbox sharing your conspiracy theories with me and unsolicited conspiracy theories you know what I'm saying and like for me it's gotten to a point where it's like almost triggering like as someone who has been close to someone who like went over the deep end with conspiracy theories and like had a manic break and in regard to like conspiracy i don't want you coming in my inbox talking about every like sure it may be true i'm not saying it's not true but guess what i just came here i just keep hearing like um what you call this voice in players club all the time like i just came to dance and that's all right like, came to post this real quick and that's all i ain't trying to uh-uh. i'm not trying to do this with you mm-hmm. i'm not I am not trying to do this. And you remember back in the day, back in the day on the internet, when it was just your aunties and uncles spreading stupid stuff. 
And now the onion, it was just onion back then. Back then, the onion was the worst thing we had to worry about because they, they couldn't read satire, bless their oh. heart. But now it's gotten to the point where it's like, so like, for example, I keep seeing like, quote unquote, woke people reposting stories that come from outlets like Brett Bart. And I'm like, bruh, it's from Brett Bart. And that's how you start going into that. You start teetering that line of hotep. <laughs> yes, hotepery. Like, right. And I'm like, you guys do know that Brett Bart is like a renowned white supremacist news source. Like, I, don't, I just don't get it. I don't understand. And I'm just like, sometimes, you know, they'd be like, well, we just need to know what the white people tell. We already know. <laughs> like, we live in their world. Okay. We know. <laughs> we I just can't and it's just like I get it people can post what they want to post I'm not policing anybody on the internet do your thing just don't come in my inbox with it right if you are listening to this and you were thinking about hmm <laughs> I'm gonna send Miss Andrews teaches this article don't do it she ain't gonna read it no. No. don't do it don't send it to me. don't send it to me please and then one more thing Tell them why you mad, sis. <laughs> so I understand that in this new frontier of virtual life, okay, virtual living, we are living online and in online spaces more than we ever have. However, comma, I don't work for you. Okay. Don't be messaging me asking why I ain't respond to you. Because you're not going to get a response. And don't be messaging nobody else like, hey, have you done this yet? Don't. Mm-mm-mm. We don't work. We're. In the words of Amanda Seals, we are not peers. You know who you look like when you said that? You look, you reminded me of like Tammy Roman and her Bonnet Chronicles that like, <laughs> I just be so irritated because sometimes people messages, message me like a really thoughtful question that I want to think about or just something that I haven't given thought to. And sometimes I don't necessarily have a response right there. And then we'll double back and be like, you read my mind. First of all, I don't, we not, we not Buddha. Oh, you were a response. You're not my mama or my daddy. And it's just gotten to the point where it's like, I don't even want to play. I've been thinking about deleting my Instagram altogether. Like this was a fun experiment, but I'm done. You're an influencer now. I am not. Can we can oh. influencers. That's don't get me started on that. I know, because we had a um we had a conversation about influencers. Influencers to me really stress me out when we're thinking about virtual life because I'm I'm popping. I'm just not on the internet. <laughs> I'm not showing you how I'm popping on the internet. And they are having a field day right now. And I as they should. I mean, this is the influencer time to shine. Like Yeah, make your money. Get your get coins. It. But they keep coming up with the most randomest BS. Can I say BS? Yeah, you can say the words. Okay, I well, I'm just going to say yes. We're going to be good. They just be coming up with the most random things to influence people to do and say and, and make a trend. And I'm just like, it's just so And annoying. that's how you get the stupid stuff passed around. Because yeah, because the influencer has supported it, has uplifted it, has done all this stuff. But also, I'm pushing against these ideas because a lot of people are like, oh, well, there aren't that many, you know, Black women teacher influencers or there aren't that many black um principal in uh or principal or administrator influencers and i push against that because like influencership should not be limited to the internet 
And we, I think we've gotten so lost in the sauce. And I think sometimes, and this is including myself, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think sometimes we get so lost in the sauce of influence only existing on the interwebs of the internet that we don't think about the fact that influence is something that happens in real life. It's something that has an impact in real life. So yeah, this person may have like 15, 20, 30, 40, 100,000 followers, but what are they actually doing to be impactful in real life? Nothing. Nothing or very little. So like, because honestly, yeah, I follow a lot of, of influencers, but guess what? They're not people who impact my work, for real. That's the word. I can think of a few, but I can think of like two, <laughs> let me be honest. But they're not the people who influence my work, and I celebrate them, and I think they do amazing things. But I think we need to get back to understanding that influence also exists in reality. Mm. And like... Yeah. I just push against that fact of like, oh, we don't have any influencers that are superintendents. We don't have any influencers that are black scholars. We don't have any. We do. They just exist in the realm of reality. Right. And not the internet. So when you say that, it made me think of like people I follow on the internet or even like follow on Twitter and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yeah, I, still, I think some of their stuff is cool. I mean, retweet it, whatever. But when I'm working in real life it's like the real life people I can see that are influencing the work that I do right because I know like my work is influenced still to this day by Vivian Harshaw who is a was a a media non-media a literacy coach who was in her mid-60s when I first started teaching like that is is my pedagogy Vivian Harshaw she ain't on Instagram. She's the best. <laughs> she is not on Instagram. Gloria Lassen Billings, not on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Like, even some who are on Instagram, they don't they don't promote their work on Instagram. So a lot of those right. like people who were speakers for the convening, like they do amazing work, but not ex- not really involved in the online sphere of the world, which. I mean, we could talk about how you could better promote your work doing that. I mean, because it is a tool, but it shouldn't be the only tool. Right. And then sometimes some people, and bear with me with this, sometimes just listening and knowing a person's story is an influence on your practice. Mm -hmm. Because, and I mean, we, I'm, we're gonna move on but Dr. Contreras just knowing the barriers to getting where she is now you know what I'm saying as a black Latina woman with a disability like these are things that like people say are supposed to keep you from you know having those so just knowing those things can be an influence you know she's so dope y'all she is everybody should move here and work for her just know that North Carolina don't pay that great so I will say that I struggle sometimes with like, should I continue being great offline? Well, I'm still be great offline, but it's also like, I want to showcase more of what I do and like promote more, but it's also like, I can't, I just, I can't. There is a balance in it, right? So for me, that balance is all about, I guess, if you, for a metaphor, for metaphoric purposes, if you will, you give a little shoulder, but not too much. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's my approach to social media. 
as it pertains to like my work and things like that. Initially, when I got on teacher Instagram, it's because I was like, okay, I want to start this blog. I want people to read said blog. And this will help me direct traffic to said blog. I am a decent blogger when it comes to content. It's pretty good. I just, consistency is not there. Um, Take that or leave it. So it is hard. So I've kept the account because it was easier for me to just post that than having to prepare a whole blog post. However, now I'm like, I could easily just take whatever little ideas be floating around my head to post on Instagram and make, I could like the extra time to do that because sometimes some of these posts do take time to create. I could just do that and do a blog post that on Instagram later and just like, so I'm really trying to shift like how I'm thinking about um, my use of like Instagram because like I have a following. It's a humble following. It's a, a small following. However, I have a following. And so also like I have a lot of, I take a lot of like responsibility and don't take that lightly. Um, I think some people take it a lot more likely, lightly than I do. Like, because I feel like I never want to put anything out there for the sake of just putting something up there. Right. And how can I, you know, have a critical conversation with people or have people to think about things that they don't think about that often so it's kind of like a delicate balance and you're kind of like what do you want to do with it because like everything I do all my accolades all my accomplishments are not shared there no listen I was like a proud friend when they were reading your um introduction on the thing Saturday I was like oh my gosh this is so cool yeah oh thank you uh, it's so funny because one of my assistant principals from my first year teaching was in the comments talking about, oh, I worked with her. Congratulations. And I was like, you were so mean to me. <laughs> but, trying to get on. Trying yeah. to get on. But she was, I mean, she was just one of those people you had to warm up to after a while. She was fine after a while. I definitely see her as like, she was one of those tough love type people. It's just something that I'm just like, I have to be careful with. Yeah. You know, like, because even for a while, I didn't, like, tell people where I went to grad school. Not necessarily because I didn't want people to know, but just, like, people on the internet are crazy. And I don't need y'all knowing where I go to school. Um, And that's why I told my parents, like, with this whole job thing, of course, it wasn't official until, like, it was voted on by the board, whatever. But I told them, even after it was out, like, not to post. I said, I'm not posting where I work. I might say something like, I got a new job. But that's about it. I did post it on Twitter because I feel like that's a different space than Facebook. Facebook, yeah, no. That's one place I do not play with. I don't play with the Facebook. I think my Facebook stuff on my profile is like years out of date. Yeah, mine is like very dry. And I've been considering like deleting my Facebook profile, like because I don't get on there. Um, so I'm just kind of like, like I just don't, I just don't know because I'm just like, oh. It's so it's dry. Just, yeah. And my like my teacher Twitter is so that's something I've managed well as far as the social media space. Cause it's just easier. I don't have to do pictures and blah blah blah. Speaking of being safe on the internet and responsible with your following, <laughs> this leads us to the principal's office. And so in the principal's office, we have her name is let me see what her name is. Her name is 
I know it's Miss Bates. Let's just call her Miss Bates. Miss Bates. So in the principal's office, we have Miss Bates out of Columbus, Ohio. And she was an assistant principal who, you know, just got her promotion to become principal at a, another local school. However, this young lady went to a Black Lives Matter protest and took a picture of her daughter above um, a writing on the sidewalk or street or whatever they said, F the police. Mm-hmm. And then proceeds to post it on Facebook, which the article says like her personal Facebook page. However, as I taught my students when I was a digital learning coach, it does not matter if it is your personal page. If it is on the internet, anybody can access it. Um, this will hurt my heart, y'all. <laughs> oh. Just because like you hate to see it like you just hate you just hate to see it unless the white supremacist and you'd be like yes but um but on the flip side it's like she did the same thing they would have done like posted something super offensive and you have to reap the consequences I mean yes and I also think that sometimes you just have to be aware of the space that you're in and I think Although this was her her private Facebook page or her personal Facebook page, however you want to say it, you have to you have to understand that when you are in a certain certain types of leadership positions, you are a public figure. So therefore, um, and and principalship, school leadership, district leadership are very political positions. Mm -hmm. So you have to be prepared and be ready to, in the words of my late great professor, Dr. Harrison, Joe Harrison, who was a superintendent for 12 years, you have to be able to withstand the scrutiny of the critics. And if you cannot, then that's what kind of gets you into trouble. Now, do I disagree with what she said or think that she did some horror? No, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. However, you have to understand like you just have to be mindful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I get that we we live in a world that's like, well, you know, we shouldn't, you know, like the police state should be defunded. And all, like, I get all that. Like, I totally get all that. And I totally agree with all that. But sometimes that negates the fact of the reality that we live in. We live in a society that is just, yes, we are pushing towards those things, but those things have not shifted yet. So we still have to be able to, navigate and maneuver those things now i'm not saying that principals can't have their own views but you have to understand that as a principal or assistant principal even you are representative of a district your views then become the representative of a school district so it's not to say that you can't have views but immediately instantly what you are saying becomes this district saying and guess what the district is going to protect themselves yeah and so you have to be mindful of those things. And I, I hate to see pe- good people getting caught up on the internet. I hate, I, I hate seeing it. It hurts my heart every okay, time. That's what, that's what private group chats are for. We're not even group chats. Just a, like, that's why you need a confidant, like somebody you can just, you know, shoot the breeze with and like say how you feel. Yeah. And this is why, again, going back to what we were talking about previously, you can't just live on the internet. You know, yeah. these people on the internet are not your friends. 
And I was telling Mel earlier that I think people have really blurred the line between, or they've erased the line between like their real life or their personal um professional life and what they post on social media and so I think back in the day when we first got on social media you could be a little bit more reckless because it wasn't necessarily directly connected to your professional identity Mm -hmm. um but that line is completely gone now (laughs) it is and with the rise look you up yeah and with the rise of things like LinkedIn and things like that people are posting all their job information out there and, you know, you're you're taught to an extent to promote yourself and tell people what you're doing because she also had all her job information listed on her profile. So people didn't even have yeah. to dig that deep to go and run and tell what she was saying and, and posting. But also, you just have to be aware of your surroundings. Like, I looked at the district that she worked in, and it's like 52% white. She had to know better. Well, she yeah, And I just think sometimes people are, actually, you no, know, it's 54% white and 29% black but I don't know I just think people you just got to be we have too much good work that needs to be done by black people to be getting caught up on the internet right and so she they just reversed right now they have just reversed her promotion which I honestly I think it's fair because it kind of shows you're not necessarily ready for that micro-political position um you don't really understand the context of that somebody needs to be more clear in terms of like social media like policies in district because a lot of times they're very vague and they're vague for a reason they're vague intentionally so that way should something come up it should you know it could fit within that policy you know what i'm saying like but i do think that as employees of school districts people should be more mindful of what that policy is Read your contracts. And read your contract. Please read your contract. Please read your employee handbook. And a way to simplify all this is just make your profile private and be careful about who you're friends with. Because let's be clear, one of sis friends told on her. She had to. One of sis Facebook friends definitely had to go tell on her. So you just have to be very mindful of your virtual, like how you living in this online world. And that's not to say you can't have opinions and you can't post what you think, but you also need to know what the policies are and be mindful of the ways in which to maintain your position. Now, if you don't care about maintaining your position, don't listen to none. I just say it. <laughs> if you just you like, must not have bills, you must be exactly so, <laughs> be living the life. And it sucks that you kind of got to like look at it that way. Like, oh, am I honest about who I am, what I think, or do I like just play this game so I can pay my bills? That is a personal, ethical, moral decision that each person has to make for themselves. Mm. And that's your, that decision should extend to your virtual presence. And you know what the thing is, people be so caught up in having huge followings that they don't even realize like who they're accepting as friends. Girl. What you but said. you gotta you gotta pay attention to who you accepting as Got friends to. on these pages and it's a little scary as someone and again i have a small instagram following by some standards but it is scary to think about like oh my god like three thousand people are looking at what i post and i don't really know 
who these people are. So every now and then I try to go through it, but it's hard to like go through 3,400 something people. So I can only imagine like somebody going through 20, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. it is really hard and it does become something that's just like, I don't even want to be here anymore. Like, I don't even want to play with y'all anymore because this has become something that I cannot necessarily manage necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some people probably manage it better than others, but I made my page private. I don't know if you saw that live, but mm-hmm. yeah, I made my page private mostly because I was getting a lot of like spam mm. um, followers and I don't play with the spam bots. Yeah. So the ones like increase your followers or I do graphic design, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, basically. And just you a lot of like, sugar daddies. I do get those every now and then on my regular. <laughs> very strange yeah so I just I was just like you know I need to make this something that I can actually like manage and actually control like and know who was looking at me right and again if you know if you friends with me if you follow me on Instagram you know I don't I don't post like that (laughs) so like I, I don't know it's just something that has become something that I'm just like I don't thinking about the goals I have and the things I want I don't know this is going to be sustainable for me and I'm just going to rethink like how can I make it sustainable that's what I mean I guess that's why people have whole jobs in social media and internet stuff because I I can't I'm not set up for that personally so we will chat with y'all soon thank you for tuning in be blessed you know be blessed be safe out here in Cedar's world right spend your energy or use your energy um wisely yes all right bye y'all bye can i help you what do you want